Welcome to Umbrella Rebellion. Hey, Marcy. Hi, Dee. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to continue our types of abuse episodes in our series. And for the topic for today is financial abuse. So this one is actually one of the ones that I really didn't know existed. And it was kind of hard to separate the fundamental Christian biblical view of the roles in marriage and if I was actually being controlled by financial abuse. That was very difficult for me. So I think this one is kind of more difficult to identify sometimes in fundamental Christianity because we have specific gender roles for finances and support and how things are done. But there are some, I think, that are key. Whether you believe that the man should be the head of the home or not, regardless of that position, there are ways that you can still be abused financially that don't fall into that Christianity headship patriarchal system. Because I'm not here to tell somebody that just because you're in a patriarchal position that it's wrong. If you choose to live that way and you believe that, that's on you. So some of these are kind of, I guess, align with that. So they may not necessarily be abusive in your relationship, but some of these are going to be above and beyond what is normal for even a patriarchal marriage. All right, so this is more of kind of just a a checklist, and we may have some specific examples of how this transpired in our marriages, our former marriages, and how it works in our relationships. All right, so we're just kind of going to start going over the checklist. We're obviously, like the last one, we're reading resources that we found on the internet, and we will share the links below. So you can look at these yourself and come to a determination of whether you're experiencing financial abuse or not. Mm-hmm. All right. So you want to go ahead and start? Yes. Common examples of financial control or abuse are forbidding family members to work or have their own funds. Did you have any examples of that, Dee? Well, yeah. I Maybe. pretty much was a stay-at-home mom the whole time I was married to my ex. I did do like Etsy for a while, and that was the mm-hmm. only income that I had, and I used that for spending money. I don't remember if I asked him if it was okay or not, but generally, as long as I was working inside of the home and taking care of the kids, he didn't really have a problem with it. But one of the most, I mean, I think I did share this in a previous video. The biggest one of this was when my ex had had a motorcycle accident and was out of work for a couple of months. I Mm -hmm. went to him and I was like, do you want me to go try and get a job? I was probably about six months pregnant with Noah at the time, my Mm -hmm. youngest. And he was like, you'll never make enough money to support this family. Yeah. So gaslighting me into thinking that, you know, I wasn't capable of supporting the family, even though we were having a hard time with having no income for several months. Yes. I don't know if there's abuse there per se. We always kept our funds separate. So if I didn't make enough money to cover my half of the rent or the bills or whatever, and I didn't have extra spending money, then I just didn't have any money. 
So I made less than he mm-hmm. did. So he, of course, always had plenty of money to cover his half and then have extra spending money. But quite often, I didn't because I had a lower paying job. And he expected me to pay for things like food and his cigarettes and things, his beer sometimes and things like that. But he would not pay for mine. Well, occasionally cigarettes, but for the most part, those things were my responsibility, (laughs) even though he was eating the food. (laughs) Right? Like, why wasn't that split as well? Like, right? And he acted when I brought it up. He, like, when we first got married, when I brought it up, he acted like I was just bonkers for asking him to pay for his food. Like, why? I'm already paying half the bills. Like, why should I have to pay for half the grocery bill? Yeah. Oh, goodness. So I guess Uh that would go to maybe the second point of controlling how money is spent. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hiding assets. That is also, he also hid assets or he boasted that he had assets that he didn't have. He lied that he had all this other stuff that he didn't have. So Mm -hmm. it went both ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. I really didn't, we really didn't have any assets to hide. I was the one that hid money when I was getting ready to leave, but other than that which no. is understandable <laughs> i had money to leave too i did too mm-hmm. i opened a separate bank account and did all of that the next one is forcing family members to work in a family business without pay so no personal experience in that to me that sounds more like the cult because you had to pay to go work for them <laughs> yeah like you didn't get paid to work there or if you did it was after a long stint of being there you actually paid the ministry to go serve with them yeah. The next one is withholding funds for basic needs and care. So an example of that would be, this was back in 2006, seven, I had a $40 a week budget for groceries. And if I ran out of money, it was very hard for me to convince him that we needed more groceries. So I had to make it last. And then I can remember when our heater or our air conditioner went out. I think it was our heater and it was the winter went out. He wouldn't spend the money to get it fixed. And I would wind up going to my mom's house to get warm. And I had, a, he was probably an infant to toddler at the time. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, cause I mean, he was only 15 months old when Jonathan was born. So he had to be an infant at the time. So, and we had no heat in the house. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you have any examples of that in your... When my ex had his stroke, but he, since he was out of work and I was working for pennies, they couldn't cover everything. Our air conditioner went out and I was huge pregnant with our second. And I wanted to go to family and ask them to help us so that we could get the air conditioner fixed because it was August and I was dying. Mm-hmm. And just huge pregnant because I think I was due in October. So I was in the last eight weeks and just miserable and the house was miserable and and Embry was miserable. <laughs> so I was just, I was crying. I was so miserable and he did not want to go to family to ask for help. He just wanted to just tough it out. And I was like, there's no way that I can tough out even a week without cool oh, air gosh. and a hundred, hundred heat. The second technical difficulty of the evening down. Yes. So this will be fun splicing these together. Yeah, and I was talking about the air conditioner. Right. Okay. So he didn't want you to go to family to get the money to replace the air conditioner Mm -hmm. or fix it. Mm -mm. He just wanted to live through it. And I said, hell no, not in the last six weeks of pregnancy. Are you nuts? (laughs) 
Mm, so did no. you did you just wind up going and doing it anyway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but well, I don't. I think he finally agreed to let me call my parents, um, or or he called his. I forget which one. I think I called mine, and they got somebody mm-hmm. out there. We still had to wait another day or two to get it fixed, but I think we ended up being without it for a week. And mm-hmm. I was just I was dunking Embry in cold water, like cold rags on oh, all of us. Wow. It was that bad. Oh so she was miserable and screaming. <laughs> it was it was really bad. Oh man! So, but we did get That's it fixed. But he didn't want to do it. He wanted to just deal with it. Stupid people. Yeah, oh, let's make you suffer. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So the next one. The next one is withholding money or giving meager allowances. So, like your forty dollars for groceries, that would be a meager mm-hmm. allowance. Mm-hmm. Money was not withheld. It just wasn't shared that he had it. So if I had a need, he did not offer to take care of it. Like I was not taking care of it. If I didn't take care of myself, it didn't happen. It wasn't a caring team relationship where, you know, you if you see your spouse suffering, you're going to try to help them. It wasn't like that. Mm-mm. Yeah. I can't think, like the only thing I can think of is I used to tell him that he should be so lucky that I don't wear makeup a lot because yes. some of the girls in the church were real into makeup. And I'm like, do you know how expensive that is? I don't make you spend money on me like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm very low maintenance no, and you should be thankful. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So the next one is the abuser spending money lavishly on him or herself while depriving the family. So hmm, that would be, he would always go and buy his weed before I got any of my money for the budget or anything. Like before bills were paid, the, the first thing he would do was take money out and go buy weed. It didn't matter, you know, if we were able to make bills that week or not so and he used to get like paid every week so and his weed budget was about as much as my grocery budget so i would say that would be lavishly spending on yourself yeah yeah so the other story i have is it was pretty close to me leaving probably within the last year one day he just shows up with a truck a new truck i mean it wasn't like brand new but it was a used truck and he had talk to me about buying another vehicle. And I'm like, look, you know, you're, I don't know what was going on at that time, but I was like, let's not do that right now. Let's wait a little bit and save up some money. He was constantly getting laid off because he was in the union. So you just never knew when the job was going to end. And I think it was right around the time a job was going to end. So I was like, we just, we don't know how long it'll be before you get another job, you know? Yeah. But just showed up and I'm like, Wow. Okay. What I say means nothing. Yep. Pretty much. Let's see here. It says threatening family members with homelessness and other forms of insecurity. I don't think that that was ever word phrases that he used. It was other types of manipulation for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mine never really like threatened to kick me out or anything. I don't think that was even like a thought because of our religious beliefs that it was even so that really wasn't in our lives but it can happen mm-hmm. somebody telling you that you know if you don't do this or that or that i'm gonna kick you out and you won't be able to come in especially if they have the house or the mortgage or lease only in their name you it's, know so yeah. because that doesn't legally protect you 
Yes, exactly. The only thing I got told was everything you have is because of me. You wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. Regardless of the fact that you were working and had an income. Yes. Yes. And he wouldn't pay for anything for you, but it was all because of him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, technically, I think he, the way that he twisted that was that the house that we purchased, the way that we got the down payment for that was because his boss gave him an early bonus or whatever, because he knew that we were trying to buy a house. And so it came through his mm-hmm. boss. But I, my name is still on the mortgage and I was still making half of the payments, but it was mm-hmm. all because of him that we got it because, yeah. Mm-hmm. So gross. So gross. So So the next one is refusing to pay child or spousal support or manipulating court proceedings by hiding or not disclosing assets. So this one's a big one for me because I I don't want to accuse anybody of anything and I don't want, but like there's, there's a large amount of arrears on my account. Let's just say that. So mm-hmm. there are spurts of employment and I had to go file with the parish juvenile court system for them mm-hmm. to go after them. So in Louisiana, we have parishes, not counties. So if you're not sure what mm-hmm. that is, that's that's basically a county. So I had to go file with them for them to basically, anytime he gets a, a job in Louisiana, mm-hmm. I I don't know... Because we we got divorced in Mississippi. And so the enforcement goes through Louisiana. I don't know how it works if he works in Mississippi, if it would, because Mississippi doesn't garnish wages, but Louisiana does. So Mm. it's kind of this mixed bag of, you know. Yeah. So that's about, I got it for like two months. I got it for two months recently and it it stopped, you know. Yeah. I guess he figured he didn't want to spend that much money on child support again. Yes. Mine has never paid a cent. He is so far behind. And then because of his disability, they're required to end it. Like he's not required to pay. There was definitely some shady stuff going on with that to get him out of that. He doesn't he yeah. doesn't have any problem with not providing for his children. He doesn't birthdays and Christmas. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. Denying education or employment opportunities. Me, he didn't deny education, but his education came first or he got to finish first. So he did that and I worked and I did some side classes, but he finished his, the agreement being that when he finished his and got the job, then I would get to do mine, which I started, but the same level of support was not there. So, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. Then we had kids in the middle of it too. So what, so I applied for nursing school later found out I was pregnant with our first. So it was a first semester and then he had his stroke. And so I had to drop yeah. out and back to work. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was in college and then I went to IBLP headquarters. And then when I came back, I was going to go back in the spring and then we got married. So that, put a nix on that. I, you know, I didn't need a college education if I was going to be married and supported by, you know, somebody making pittance for income. Right. So my experience was opposite in the fact that he, since he'd come from fundamental or cult backgrounds, he assumed that I would always be working. I told him that I wanted to be a stay at home 
with them, at least for a short amount of time. He agreed to that at the beginning. But then when we were married, he said, no, that's not how this is going to be just, we have to have your income. You, there's no way that you could stop working. We'll do it the normal way. So I wasn't allowed to stop. Like there wasn't, that wasn't even a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I had the GI bill and I didn't use it. So I lost it. Yeah. Oh, that was stupid. Yeah. Ouch. So free money. Well, yeah. I actually I did wind it when we separated the first time. I did actually do medical transcription school, and it was online, and I did use the GI Bill. So, I mean, I kind of used that knowledge for what I do now. So it was kind of a transition, but that job really is not existent anymore. So. Mm-hmm. Since yeah. it's all electronic medical records, so. <laughs> yes. I was never told no about education, but it wasn't certainly there was real support there either. Yeah. All right. So the next one is intentionally squandering or misusing family resources. I mean, what was important to them was important to them, and that's what they got to spend their money on. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what he was spending his money on. Like, because it was, mm-hmm. he had a separate bank account for me. I was never let in. He would never let me see it. It was his money. I did. It wasn't part of a family thing. So I didn't get to see, like, there wasn't any discussion there. I had to beg for bills and beg for food money of his half because I couldn't cover it. So. Well, yeah, that's definitely a red flag for sure. For sure. Controlling telephone, vehicle, and other forms of isolation. I was never controlled in this way until the very, very end when I was trying to leave. And then he took control of those things because he wanted to keep me there. But outside of that ending point, it really wasn't. He didn't use those. When we were married, it was kind of like technology has like definitely grown in that area. So I would add into this, like tracking you on your phone would be a form in if they pay for it and they say, well, I pay for it so I can track you, you know, I would say that that would be kind, I I don't know if that would fall under financial or some kind of other form of abuse. So, but yeah, that's, that's crazy when they do that. I have a story about my husband now. So the girl that he, I, I say girl, but she was a woman, but she wasn't really. So the person he was in a relationship before me, he had, purchase phones for them to use. Well, when they broke up, he let her use it for a while and then decided, you know, I'm done. Give me back the phone. She had burned into the phone and I guess LCD screen or whatever. It's really hard to burn things into those phones. The messenger app with his name on it because she was stalking when he was on and off Facebook because it shows when you're active. (laughs) And I saw the phone and I was like, that is clearly the chat window with your name on it burned into the screen. Oh my gosh. Like how much was that on her screen to be able to burn it into the phone? Like, wow. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. 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 I'll have to ask him if I can, I can add that one in or not. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so blaming the victim for inability to manage or make money. So I got that a lot because I was in charge of household management. So any bills that got paid, the phone, any of that stuff was all my responsibility. He didn't take care of anything like that. So if there wasn't enough, then or if I didn't let him know soon enough, or if I, you know, even though they were monthly things, there was no responsibility on his behalf. So I got blamed a lot for those type of things. For me, I paid all the bills and I have ADHD and I had very hard time. I've always had a hard time paying things on time. And so yeah. if there was a bill that was paid late or something, it was definitely a source of some verbal and emotional abuse that would ensue, you know, and it's like, I didn't, it was never like, well, let me help you figure out a way so we do this where it's not late, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, we did have a joint account and I had access and I could see everything that he was doing and spending money on. And then he would give me a hard time about things I spent money on. And I was like, well, you spent money on this. And so what's the difference? And, you know, well, it's my money. Well, I thought it was our money, you know, like, yeah, it, that was a thing. Yeah. So destruction of personal property belonging to the victim. Yeah. So I, I can't really think of anything specific that he destroyed, but he generally just had a lack of respect for my things. If something was special or, and we didn't have a whole lot because mm -hmm. we were not very, you know, stable financially. So, yeah. Do you have any examples of that? No, that wasn't a thing. He didn't really, he didn't just destroy or anything. He had a general, he would let things fade. Like he wouldn't take things, care of things around the house or like homeownership or anything like that. He didn't care if it went bad, but it didn't, it wasn't in a controlling way for me or in what didn't destroy my stuff. Okay. So, next one. Forging signatures for financial transactions. I didn't, I didn't ever have this issue. Yeah. Co-signed on a car. I shouldn't have, didn't realize that my credit score was better than his than me first on the loan. That was a bad decision for co-sign ever. <laughs> but outside of that, unless you're willing to take responsibility for the car, which he wanted a sports car, he went out and bought a sports car, very bad financial decision at the time. I questioned it. He just wanted it. So that's mm -hmm. what he was going to do. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Wow. Yeah. But and then since I didn't know his financial stuff. Yeah. I didn't. And also I didn't, I was not given enough, enough information. Like I didn't know how much his paid checks were. I didn't know how much he was bringing in each week. Like I had no information on his financial thing. So I had to take his word for it that he was able to cover this like last year's model of a charger sports car that he could cover that and still cover all of our bills and things like that. And so I was very scared when he wanted to do that. But then yeah, when we got I, mean, there, I, I had to co-sign with him and then I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't say no when I co-signed and that ended up mm -hmm. uh, burning me later. Oh man. Yeah. That's a huge red flag. If your partner won't share their financials with you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. All right. Let's see. I'll switch. We'll switch. We'll switch. Where are we at? Criticizing every financial decision you make. So I wasn't really allowed to make financial decisions, so I couldn't be criticized for it. But I kind of was like, 
responsible for some of the stuff. So I, I mean, like paying the bills and stuff. So in a way, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't, yeah, I couldn't make financial decisions. So if he did, it was stupid for him to blame me. Yeah, I think we were pretty much separate on our financial decisions outside of like the home stuff. And he didn't, if there, but it also the responsibility of it kind of landed on my shoulders to make the wise decision. Cause he mm -hmm. wasn't going to think it through and he didn't just whatever type of yeah thought on it. So, okay. So the next one is reducing your freedom to plan or budget. I don't really know what that means. And I guess like, if, if you don't know what the other person's financial is and that, and you were sick, cause I was trying to plan our budget, the family's finances, but because I didn't know what his were, I didn't even know how much he made each month. Like I didn't even know right. what his rate of pay was. And then he wanted to purchase that new car. I guess that could be an example. Well, yeah. Cause how could you know that he could cover it or not if he didn't share that with you? So yeah. yeah and he was, already had a track that's... record of not, not wanting to cover things when he should. Yeah. All right. So making threats to cut you off financially when you disagree. I, I don't ever remember him. Like it's been so long. I don't recall anything specific, so I don't want to say anything, but I, I don't mean, either. he fulfilled it. He fulfilled it by not supporting his kids financially. So yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. That was financial stuff was one of his main arguments why I should come back to him when I left. It was Every, and it was also the main reason that he was angry. He said that, that everything that was happening, the reason that we were breaking up, it was all about money. The only reason I had ever been with him was about the money because he gave me all these things. And I was the reason I had everything and blah, 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 which was absolutely ridiculous because I had nothing and I had just lost everything. And, and a lot of it was because of his bad financial decisions. And I was working too. So I was the other equal half of that, if not more. So it, it just, his arguments there never made sense, but he was convinced. I was like, you mm -hmm. weren't a sugar daddy. I don't know what you think you gave me. Like, what did I benefit by this? Please oh, tell me. Okay, so, and, you know, and then you're not willing to even pay for food for your children or clothes on their back. So that kind of tells you. <laughs> Right? Like, okay, mm -hmm. I don't see the benefit here. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So let's transition that into maybe talking just a little bit about healthy finances in a relationship. Yes. So for instance, when Jeremy and I got together, we basically, when we got married, we decided to keep two separate personal accounts, but then we had what we call the joint house account. So anything that was a household bill, food, groceries, gas for the cars. We basically figured out what our budget was. And I can't remember if, cause he makes a ton more money than I do. I can't remember if we had split it to where we split specific bills in half and then like we alternated what the other person paid for. So yeah, but now it's just like, it all goes into one pot. <laughs> <laughs> So originally you had separate accounts with the joint household account. Now it's just combined. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that because finances were such a, a control factor in my past relationship and I did not 
agree with a lot of the decisions that my ex had made, I wanted to protect myself and see how that worked out before we melded everything together. I wanted to be able to have that independence to be like, well, this is what I want to do. I need my money to do that. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. But, yeah, you know, makes, once I realized that, go ahead. I said that makes total sense. It It, it is probably nice to protect yourself like that when you're early on in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, having separate accounts is not necessarily a negative, but if your partner isn't willing to work with you on sharing what their budget is, sharing what their income is, figuring out how to divide things up fairly, you know, that's the red flag. Like if you're not willing to share your financials with me, we have issues. <laughs> Let's see, other healthy financial things. I guess when it comes to debt, agreeing on what you get in debt about and not expecting someone to co-sign on a car. <laughs> exactly. That you can't afford. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. I would agree. Mm -mm -mm. So, is somebody coming in? No, but. Hold on. I don't know what I saw, but I think the dog was jumping up to see what I was doing in the window. But all I saw was this thing going on the window. Yeah. I think she was jumping to see. <laughs> Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Or it's the ghost. Or it's the ghost. I know. So I think, I mean, honestly, like when it comes to finances, as long as y'all can talk about it and it doesn't become a battle and a tug of war between the wills and you can compromise, which, you know, when you're not in an abusive relationship, compromise is a thing. But when there's abuse in a relationship, there is no compromise. So that is definitely something if you're in a relationship and there is no compromise in any area of your life, especially, you know, particular to this finances, it's something that you need to consider is, is this abuse? Am I being controlled by finances? Is this okay? And if you bring it up to your partner that you don't feel like this is okay and fair, and I mean, some people don't like the word fair because they don't think like life is fair, but you know, if you don't feel like you're being respected in your relationship when it comes to finances and your partner is not receptive to it, there may be something that you need to ponder about your relationship. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it needs to be an open and honest conversation for sure. And that, you know, that open to, you know, transparency with all of it is the key. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. for sure. All right. I think we've covered the financial abuse checklist and I will put the link down below for where you can find resources on all of these things. We will be going over spiritual abuse next, and then we will end with the physical abuse. I think that's going to be kind of a long, mm -hmm. very deep conversation for us. If you feel like you may be experiencing any type of abuse in the United States, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-799. 3, 3. So yes. take care of yourself. And I guess that's it. Anything else to say? Nope. I think that ended it well. 
Thank you for joining us on this podcast. We hope that you would come back for our next podcast and come join the rebellion. All right. Bye guys. Bye.